Hello, hello. Welcome back to Leading Women in Tech. How are you doing? How are we sparkling? Today I have a sparkly episode for you, which seems quite fitting in December. But before we do that, I just want to say hello and check in with you as we head into Christmas. We are just a few days away from Christmas now, and I really hope that you are excited, that you are shiny bright. If you're not celebrating Christmas, I hope you've got some downtime at least at this time of year. If you work in or around a Western business, which I know most of our listeners are, although we do have listeners all over the world now, which is amazing. But if you are hoping to take some time off, whether it's now around the Christmas or I know some companies in other parts of the world will take some of January off, depends on when the new year is. I hope there is some sparkle in your life because sparkle is really, really important. Sparkle is what allows us to think big, to be inspired and to take on the world. So wherever you are, happy holidays, have a fabulous time in the days ahead. But let's get back to today's episode. As we head into the holidays, I thought it would be great to share with you some top tips to elevate your leadership and shine even more than you already do. Are you ready? Let's go. 10 ways to shine. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Number one, slow down to speed up. Oh, I love this one. This is key. You may be able to run at 100 miles per hour, but your team almost certainly can't keep up. And you'll make better, more thoughtful decisions if you slow down a little. Sometimes the best work comes from taking the time to gather a little bit more data and make a well-informed decision instead of rushing, then needing to mitigate afterwards. I speak from experience here as somebody who would rush, rush, rush. My team would just be flummoxed and confused and wondering what the heck was going on. Take the time to get your team fully on board, educate them, nurture them and mentor them. Our own impatience is a surefire way to ensure that we feel we have to do everything because nobody else can do what we can. There's a reason you have your job now, not the job you had when you were doing the work that you're trying to delegate to other people. You are really good at that. You got promoted. Slow down. Give your team permission to be trained up. Let others do the work. Let them become experts too. You can't do your job if you're doing your team's job. Remember, once upon a time, someone took the time to help you learn and level up and open doors for you. It's time to give back and do the same. And bonus, you'll get more done because your time will no longer be the bottleneck. But to get to this point, you need to give you and your team permission to breathe just a little. Number two, be open to feedback. Giving and receiving feedback is one of the core leadership attributes that you should never stop utilizing. You'll never not need feedback to grow and develop. And as humans, we are never done developing, but it's difficult and typically uncomfortable to receive that feedback and particularly critical feedback. As the leader in the room, it's your job to deal with the feedback from someone who isn't very good at giving you feedback, which will happen. Be the one who owns these conversations. Encourage a culture of feedback nurture open and honest conversations with your team be open and honest yourself 
Allow your team to do the same and establish trust and rapport and nurture those relationships. If you can, train your team in how to give and receive feedback too. I think this is a great thing for every single person. And remember that some people don't even like receiving positive feedback, myself included, <laughs> because they have so much discomfort with the idea. So you might need to train people in how to say thank you. Number three, drive vision. Great leaders have vision, core values, and beliefs. They use this to inspire and encourage focus. If you don't know your own vision, start with that. But you also need to have clarity on the vision for the business and the business unit you work in. In an ideal world, you should be excited and able to link the business vision to your own vision in some way. At minimum, there needs to be a clear overlap between your beliefs and values and how you operate and execute and the company's visions, values, and how they execute. If there's not, you aren't going to be able to fully inspire those around you because you won't feel fully aligned. Start there and see how things go. It doesn't have to be a perfect match. I know so many women who say to me, I want to work in a mission-driven organization. Let me let you into a secret here. Every organization that works is mission-driven. It's just it might not be the mission that you're after. That doesn't mean they aren't doing something that you align with in some way. Just because they're not solving world hunger or world peace doesn't mean it isn't something you can align with. Yes, you may well feel very strongly that your core values require you to work in an organization that's working in healthcare or something like that. But maybe there's some values in operation or beliefs in what they can achieve that do align. You just need some alignment. You can work towards getting more and more alignment in your career. But right now, just look for where you do align a little bit and then drive the vision. Remember, having a vision sets expectations and sets those goals. Number four, be decisive. The worst type of manager to have is one that doesn't make decisions. I deliberately say manager there, not leader, because managers are typically the ones making decisions, and a sign of a bad manager and not a good leader is someone who struggles with it. Or maybe makes decisions but then backtracks and changes their mind. Oh my God, have we all worked for one of them? As leaders, we can easily become the bottleneck in an organization because we aren't making decisions fast enough. That doesn't mean that you aren't taking the time to make good decisions. Instead, it means recognizing that you could spend another year collecting more data and still not have the clarity. Sometimes it's worth making decisions, setting yourself on that path so that you can get clarity. Recognize when you are in your own way and that it's your lack of confidence around your ability to make the decision that is the thing holding you up. Then make the decision in spite of your lack of confidence. Remember, your team needs to know what you are doing and take action. Number five, work on your executive presence, trust, and credibility every single day. Those three things, executive presence, trust, credibility, they don't stand still. If you aren't actively working on them, I can promise that they are being eroded. You have to actively work, hone and refine for them not to diminish. You need to keep filling that bucket on a daily basis. This requires you to know how to work on these things, but always start with trust and credibility. They underpin executive presence. They're actually part of executive presence. But ask yourself every day, what can I do to build more credibility? And how can I demonstrate trust today? Remember that how you show up really matters, particularly on the hard days. Number six, be authentic and be genuine. Authentic leadership is a buzz phrase in this day and age, and for good reason. Your team needs to trust you and your credibility, as we were just talking about in number five, 
that starts with authenticity, showing up as who you are with your vulnerabilities and being aware of your failures. That is authenticity. But don't make the mistake of thinking that authentic leadership is something about showing up in yoga pants and complaining about your spouse and kids. I mean, the yoga pants might be your style, in which case, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Zero judgment. The key here is to show up as the most polished but best version of the true you. When we just don't care and we don't filter, that isn't authenticity. That is just showing up and not caring as much. That means you need to be fully aware when you're out of your depth. You need to be sharing that you don't know the answers and you need feedback and insights. It's also about being open about your weaknesses with your team and not just your strengths. It's about creating a culture of receiving feedback and not getting defensive. It's about sharing how you got through a sticky situation so people see you as human and can learn from you. It's also about saying, I need to take a mental health day tomorrow. I'll see you the day after. Instead of pushing through and taking it out on our team while leading everybody else to the burnout door. All of this builds your authenticity and genuine leadership presence. Number seven, know your values. Have clarity in what you stand for and be transparent about your core values and your beliefs. This transparency builds trust in your team and may also shorten the learning curve for them and therefore allow you to collaborate with them more effectively. Knowing what is important to you as a leader and when you're solid in that, you will have more confidence and avoid being wishy-washy. <laughs> People have more faith in the leaders that show their confidence, that aren't wishy-washy, that know what they stand for. Being able to articulate your vision, your beliefs is critical for forward-thinking leaders. Just watch out for the fact that not everybody has to be fully aligned with you. You can articulate them, you can get people to follow you, but it's okay when people disagree. That's totally cool too. Number eight, always ensure you are always learning. Be on the lookout for areas to grow, learn and develop, but be purposeful with it. What we do and know today will be outdated in 10 years time. Some of what we do will be outdated next week. In some industries, it is typical that you've got a six month kind of runway before things are out of date. Know what it is for your industry and also know within your industry what those nuances are. Hardware gets out of date very quickly. Software maybe gets out of date quite quickly as well. But leadership practices, typically 10 years, five, 10 years, I would say, is a good metric. That's why I have a job, because I spend my job doing the research on best practices in leadership, following the research, staying up to date. So my clients who are executives who don't have the time don't have to. I just communicate what they need to know. (laughs) But you need to make sure that you know that you're growing and developing in the right way. As a leader, you need to stay up to date in your area of expertise, but you also have a responsibility to grow your soft skills, which also change. And you know I prefer to call soft skills real skills. If you didn't know that, you now know. (laughs) Your leadership journey should never stand still. Leadership is not the hardest thing you'll ever learn, but you do need to learn it. Somebody who spends all their time just doing the technical stuff is generally a terrible leader. Great leadership isn't something you wake up with. It's learned, developed, honed, refined over time. Always keep learning, but don't learn and add just for the sake of learning and adding to skills and techniques that resonate with you the most and that speak to your values and beliefs. Become the person that you would love to be led by. Number nine, focus on your team's strengths and contribution. 
It's very easy to focus on what people aren't doing, aren't good at, and can't contribute. In the same way, it's so easy for us to focus on what we haven't done or achieved instead of what we have. As a leader, this is incredibly dangerous. And a lot of the things that we're asked to do as leaders and managers reinforce this. We're asked to give feedback and we think we should critique. What if your feedback was, here's what you've done really well this year? What if your feedback majored on what went well and you'd like to see more of rather than that was terrible, can you do this differently? When we focus on what our team can't do and their weaknesses, you limit potential. You have a negative attitude that I promise you'll be carrying as a chip on your shoulder because all you're seeing is the problems with people rather than the great things about those around you. And you aren't able to see how you can use your team well. People aren't good at everything. So work with your team to identify their skills, competencies, and abilities that are relevant to the job. Embrace mistakes and create learning opportunities when they happen. Remember, not everybody can be good at everything. In fact, nobody can be good at everything. The most important thing is to figure out what each person is good at and build the team together so that they complement each other. Number 10, last but not least, give your team permission to contribute to your ideas. If there was one thing I wanted all of you to hear as we head into the holidays, it is this one. Your team is awesome, or they at least have the potential to be awesome, even if you don't feel that they are right now. Allow your team members to interpret your ideas, to question you, to pick them apart, break it down, put it back together again. Everyone learns differently, so give your team time to collaborate and look into ideas in their own way. You'll uncover what excites your team and motivates them. And bonus, you'll likely have more robust ideas, decisions, and strategies as a result of this work. You are one person with one set of experiences, one set of beliefs, one set of ideas. You might have more experience than other people, but it's different from other people. Your team knows something you do not, (laughs) that you need to know. You need to be able to communicate with them and you need to not just dismiss their ideas because you think, well, that's obvious. I already thought of that. You just need to give them the space to share. So let's recap those 10 ways to shine when you take on a new leadership role. I would love you, by the way, to just, as I recap this, think to yourself, what is the number one thing I need to be doing more of that is my weak spot? Because that should be your focus for your January. We're going to be doing a January planning challenge, and I would love for you to join us and bring this one focus. So here we go with a recap. Number one, slow down to speed up. Number two, be open to feedback. Number three, drive vision. Number four, be decisive. Number five, work on your executive presence, trust and credibility every single day. Number six, be authentic and genuine. Number seven, know your values. Number eight, always ensure you're always learning. Number nine, focus on your team's strengths and contribution. And number 10, give your team permission to contribute to your ideas. Let me know which one is the one you think is going to make the biggest difference to you. Maybe which one is your weak spot. But as always, we have a mindset bonus. So I have three bonus items for you around mindset to help you sparkle in a new role. Number one, make sure you've got your inner critic and your inner negative voice under control. In a new role, our imposter syndrome and self-sabotage massively flare up if we're not careful. You've likely had to tackle this to some extent during the job hunt or promotion process, but do not take your eye off the ball 
just because you've landed that new role. New roles can be incredibly triggering to our self-doubt. At some point or another, we have all experienced circumstances that negatively affected us and have accepted the beliefs that may diminish us in some way instead of helping us grow. This inner negative self-talk prevents us from stepping forward and expanding ourselves. These fears hold us back. By learning how to handle and deal with these fears and that negative self-talk, we open ourselves up to more possibilities and opportunities. So just keep an eye on that one when you land a new role. Number two, take time for self-care every day. Again, in your new role, you're going to be learning very fast every day. This is the time to double down on your self-care, not sacrifice it. Give yourself regular check-ins to reflect and ask yourself questions on your effectiveness, what you achieved today or didn't achieve today. The style of leadership you're using, how is it working? What is your overall impression of how well each day goes? I love to say to people, ask yourself three questions. What went well today? What didn't go well? What should I do for differently tomorrow? I think that's a great thing to do as an executive, but it's very, very important during your first 90 days in a new role. You should also be building the expectation of feedback by asking your team for feedback on your leadership from day one. (laughs) And then the third and final mindset bonus, over communicate, or at least communicate more than you think you should. I'm yet to meet a leader who communicates too much, and I include myself in this. All too often we think they've already heard this, I shouldn't say it again, I'll bore them. And you might have heard from somebody that they don't need to hear that. You might have people cutting you off and it's very frustrating in that sort of situation and we tend to shut down. But remember that there's more than just that one person in the room. Remember that your team needs to know what you're thinking. They need you to be transparent. They need you to be honest. They need you to share information and they need you to repeat the ruthless priorities. You absolutely should be sharing strategic information every possible opportunity unless absolutely must be kept private. Assume transparency. Stop listening to that little voice that says you are over communicating and start yelling from the leadership rooftops what matters to you, what matters to the business and what you know should matter to your team. So there we have it as we head into the holidays. I hope that's given you some great top tips for what you should do when you land that new role to really shine. But actually everything I said applies every point in your career. So I would love for you, as I said at the beginning, to have a think, which ones are you going to be using? Which ones are you going to be thinking about differently as you head into 2023? What's going to be your focus on elevating you and your leadership in the new year? This is the last episode of Leading Women in Tech for 2023. We are taking a week off next week, me and my team. So there is no episode next week between Christmas and New Year because my team is shutting down. Wherever you are in the world, though, I hope whatever you're doing, you're getting some time to recharge and recuperate. But for now, all that remains to be said is have a wonderful holiday season if you are celebrating that. And until next time, as always, doesn't change. Remember, stay on your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.